there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold facts since 1986. Today's fact, romance is a dish best served cold. Stone-cold fact. Yeah, we could just tell you that Kit couldn't get this movie in Canada, but instead, Kit's heart is brittle and frigid and could not, in fact, be melted by a schmoopy romance movie. She's too powerful. Anyway, so we brought in a ringer. The person who actually wanted to talk about this movie a bunch in the first place and has seen it way more than Mac and I have. We have Lucas Brown on with us. How's it going? It's going very well, Annie. I am so excited about this. We're talking about The Cutting Edge, a 1992 rom-com starring Adult Aang from The Legend of Korra (laughs) and Nala from Lion King. A.K.A. D.B. Sweeney and Moira Kelly. D.B. Sweeney at the height of his powers, and Moira Kelly not quite at the height of hers. That would be in 1994's With Honors. Cool thing, when I was watching this, I actually mentioned it to a group, and I had four people reply with Topic, and then one came over to watch it with me. Excellent. Oh my god, yeah, really? Sheena came and watched it with me. I actually saw this film in fourth grade. Oh. My mom got it out from the library in Massey, Ontario, in this tiny small town which had a copy of this movie because it was Canada. So we watched it and I liked it. And then in university, many years later, my friend Andrew, we were over at his house and I glanced over at his shelf and he had a VHS copy of this film. And that took him from acquaintance to very good friend in a very short period of time. (laughs) One other thing that I forgot to mention about D.B. Sweeney, not only is he grown up Aang from Korra, but also he played Aladar, the Iguanodon main character from Dinosaur, (laughs) that movie nobody actually watched. He also had his own TV series that aired with Millennium and X-Files called Strange Luck, which was surprisingly good, but they didn't know how to end the first season, so they had him struck by lightning. True story. Really? Yes. The main character's name was Chance. Uh, I hate it. You adore this movie. Oh yeah, and it had been a long time since I watched it. I had to go and source it. I also am just fascinated by the fact that, like, first off, you watch this in Ontario because this is an American movie. You may not think so after hearing us talk about it, but this movie is from America. (laughs) It is completely American, except for all the bits which were filmed in Ontario. Using many venerated Canadian character actors who I will call out when I see them. It's the most Canadian goddamn thing I've seen in a while. The only way this movie could be more Canadian if it's instead of being like a hockey guy, he was really into curling. <laughs> Another great question is, how is this movie not available in Canada? Right? You'd think, right? Like, it seems like something that should be absolutely available on every Canadian streaming service. It should be mandatory viewing. When you sign a Netflix contract, it should be like, all right, we need to keep due south and we need to keep the cutting edge. Forget everything else. And every few months, Netflix should at the top be like, have you seen the cutting edge? Rewatch the cutting edge. Folks, now that we've just thoroughly exhausted all of the Canadian things we actually know about, let's actually talk about this Canadian ass American movie. All right, so we open on a hotel room and it's 1 p.m. <laughs> Do you know why 1 p.m. is important? Because it was supposed to be 9 a.m. Yeah. Young Douglas Dorsey told his German bedmate, Nine Alarm, which she took to mean, No Alarm. No Alarm. (laughs) So this is a bad bit. (laughs) We open on a very bad bit about, like, womp womp German. Although you do get to see a very panicked D.B. Sweeney making, like, a Muppet and running around (laughs) trying to get dressed. 
trying to get dressed and grabbing things and shoving them in his bag. Completely shirtless. And of course, we have to establish that he's a scumbag because he can't remember the name of the woman he slept with, who, by the way, is doing that thing in movies where, like, the dude is completely shirtless when he sits up in bed, but, like, the lady has the sheets just glued to her boobs. <laughs> hey, we don't know what happened last night. Sticky substances could be involved. That's true. <laughs> yeah! Just glue all around. Yuck. <laughs> Wait, do they assemble a model kit or something? Doug tells her that he's about four hours late and calls her Rita, which she repeats incredulously. Oops. Lita? Nope. Anita? <laughs> no. Her name is, in fact, Gita. It turns out that what he is late for is he is late for the Olympic hockey game. <laughs> you know it's the Calgary Olympics because all the signs are bilingual, which sets this directly in 1988. Which is funny because the Americans are playing West Germany, which never ceases to amuse me. <laughs> you guys, that's where the Stingers are from. <laughs> is Riot a fan, Mac? Absolutely. One can only. It's balletic, the violence. This is like the same time at which the Stingers would hit town in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like how Olympic security in the age far before terrorism, will happily accept a half-naked hockey player sprinting at full gallop, just yelling out that he's Douglas Dorsey, U.S. hockey, and they're like, uh, they've started, guy. <laughs> like, he barely even needs to see ID. Nope. It's just like, well, that's a stupid American. Yeah. Must be a hockey it Looks guy. like a stupid America to me. Never seen a more stupid American. So meanwhile, our other protagonist, who is Kate, played by the... Very arch and very annoyed at all times, Moira Kelly. She's a huge bitch and I love her. I love her too. She has no time for anyone. Least of all her trainer who just shouts <laughs> out in the middle of like practice, I want to see your ass in the air. He's saying, oh, I don't want this to be Junior Pairs 82. And she fires back that, oh yeah, back then you were still berating me in private. 30 million people just called their family in from the kitchen to watch the replay. And it's like, oh my God, this is so awkward. This is like domestic at the mall awkward. Yeah, and it doesn't help that she also has a dad who just doesn't understand. Her dad is locked from Lost. He's thinking ahead to the hatch. <laughs> she has a business dad and she can't live his life. She has a business dad! She's got a daddy Gabor box, you guys. She does! He has so much money. Just quietly, he's also the captain that Riker had before he came to the Enterprise <laughs> that caused him to get a ship stuck in an asteroid. Oh my god, really? Same mustache. Same stash. After Kate's told that her trainer wants to see her ass in the air, she says, well, I'll be in my cell. This is all you can see. And she moons him on the way off the ice. Important to note that she's not actually showing him her underwear. This is a skating outfit. Yeah, she's flipping up her skirt. Yeah. Skating away in a speed skater's pose, which is just ass up and it's important that you hear every camera clicking because every sports <laughs> hack is just like this is it this is my front page the olympics haven't started yet yep. this is my front page butts 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 so yes her daddy gabor bucks just tells her to apologize and she flounces off again because kate is very sad but also very angry i love her because she's a huge bitch and we love her so she's on the way out as Doug is on the way in, and we get a slow-mo crash into each other. This is not a meet-cute <laughs> casual bump. Yeah. It's just a smash. Okay, like, this movie is not shot well. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. This movie is shot super bad, and what this movie loves is random slow-mo shots, and this is our first taste of it. Not on the ice, 
to make sure that you know that these two are about to crash into each other and it's their meet cute. It's it's just like the ultimate 90s action shot because it's constant slow-mo yes. all the time. Whenever it's slow-mo, it's always a mid-close-up, so it's a partial shot yeah. of a body. And everything's like super blurry too. It's like that bad effect that you get in transition between like unsolved mysteries and something else. Yes. <laughs> they completely stack it. It's rough. He's meanwhile blurting, is this the way to the ice? 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 She's like, are you gonna fucking apologize, my dude? And then she asked him if he was raised in a barn. And then he looks at her, well, he's standing already and she's still down. And he says, honey, where I'm from, we stand for the national anthem. It's <laughs> <laughs> <This is> great. <laughs> he's American. It's an American movie. Which notably, they're also both wearing the American jacket. So hypothetically, they should have been able to, like, see each other before just around. They would have been in the opening ceremonies. Because the Olympics take a while. Knowing Doug, he probably overslept for that, too. (laughs) He was too busy having cool sex. Then we cut to Doug on the ice. And I gotta say, to me, this is the start of the actual movie. Because in the VHS copy, this is where the film starts. Really? That entire (laughs) bit at the beginning of him with the German girl in his bed and crashing into Kate, that's nowhere. And I frankly think the movie was stronger without it. Was the movie slightly too long? Or was this like a like a theatrical cut or something? The movie's an hour and 37 minutes on the DVD. Yeah. And that's about seven minutes worth of content. So maybe they had to cut it to like a tight 90. But the stuff with Kate mooning her coach, that's still in it. It's just slightly later. Huh. Huh. It starts with the credits and we cut to like close-ups of ice you see skates flying over and then the announcer starts in telling you who doug is that's the beginning of it but i went back and looked at the trailer and all this stuff is in the trailer so i don't know what happened there so you know what's interesting is that honestly i kind of felt like most of these opening shots like especially this meet cute don't need to be there these characters don't actually remember this later on they don't seem to even remember that they ran into each other. So this meet-cute it basically gets a complete do-over later. A lot of these establishing moments, Doug is a scumbag who sleeps with women casually, but like that doesn't even seem to really register all that much for these character arcs, and they're reinforced better later. So I can see why they would have yeah. cut this. Yeah, and frankly, I think in seeing it, I'm like, this feels like a couple of first takes. It's very easy to have axed it on the way through. The announcer's giving Doug's backstory as he leaves the penalty box because clearly he was so angry coming onto the ice that he just smashed someone and they put him in the penalty box immediately. So he's a college player. He's being scouted by 12 different NHL teams. He's the Minnesota machine. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great because there is nothing about Doug that sounds like he's from Minnesota at all. He is not. No. You would not be able to ask Doug about Bobby or Howard, <laughs> don't you know? That's right. All of my Minnesota accent abilities come directly from Bobby's world. How are you? <laughs> Doug scores a goal off a very neat little wrist shot, but in doing so, he ends up against the boards and he just gets annihilated. Friends, this is why you buckle your hockey helmet under your chin. Do your straps up. So, like, the most that I can see, it looks like just a dude who, by the way, whose face we linger on, but he doesn't actually come back later. You think he'd be like a rival, <laughs> but he's not. He just kind of pushes him against the wall a couple of times, and that doesn't seem like that would really take him out that badly. Well, what actually happened is when he's going in for his wrist shot, he is being covered closely from behind by another player 
who's like right on him and he gets uh-huh. the shot off just barely and he's out of control as he hits so when he hits the boards at full speed the other guy smacks into him immediately and a second defender hits him as well and it hits him just under his cheek sort of and his helmet comes off which is also why they stopped using those kind of helmets real helmets they um. use in hockey have protection down the side for this very reason oh well that's neat fun facts just quietly guys Olympic hockey is the cleanest hockey you're going to see on the planet. Yeah. Like, there are no hits in Olympic hockey because everyone is making sure that their national treasures are being protected. No one wants a 17-year-old from the Ukraine who has a bright future in the NHL to get destroyed on national television. Right. The destruction (laughs) happens later when he's actually signed to a team. Exactly. When they can make money off it. (laughs) Right. So then it comes to Kate's skate. We see it from our angle that she botches the dismount on the lift. She gets her knee and skate caught up in Brian, her partner's shoulder, and he dumps her flat on their back. It looks awful. Like, it looks like it hurts like hell. It's really interesting in this movie that for all it's about these kinds of ice skating, they really skimped on actually hiring people who they could use to actually record this ice skating happen. There are not that many shots that you're going to see of an actual routine. There's a lot of really quick takes and really quick close-ups and stuff but it never actually pulls back so that you can see anything actually happen which strikes me as an interesting choice to not invest in that yeah neither db sweeney nor moira kelly knew how to skate when they started this movie so they gave them three months of like really intensive drilling during which moira kelly hurt her ankle which stopped her from being kit in a league of her own huh huh that's why when you see them skating they do their best to show their faces but also they can't do a full Olympic routine because they're not Olympic skaters. Yeah, I wanted to point out that for all this movie doesn't show a lot of skating, whenever it shows someone falling, it's never a cute fall. It looks like it hurts like hell every single time, which was probably true. And there's a lot of falling. There's a lot of skating montages here. Oh, we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) Doug's at the doctor. They say that he has trauma to his occipital lobe, which is the back of his head, which is not what hit the boards. Look, he has a mysterious trauma and he can't see side vision. He's got a blind side, Doug. He's got a blind side. 18 degrees of vision, which, you know, for hockey, which is all about peripheral vision, so you don't die. Yeah, it's the end of his career. And Annie and I talked about this a little bit before the film. He's implied to be just shy of 21 and has just been told that his brilliant career that he's lived his whole life towards is over. Although he does suggest that he can go to a doctor in Mexico City and they can shoot shark piss up his nose and he can sit in traction for a year. Which is an incredible assertion. Assertion? Don't worry about it. It's incredible either way. But I like that the doctor's response is not, no, what's wrong with you? Yeah, no, there's no operation like when Bonnie gets her sight back. (laughs) it's a permanent condition i couldn't attach the top half of him to the bottom half of him the machete cutting in half was one of the most severe that i'd ever seen (laughs) (laughs) oh walk hard the dewey cox story is a gift so we cut to two years later it's 1990 yeah we just straight up go two years later here we don't need to see anything about anybody else it's just a weird like all right, so he can't do hockey anymore. Two years later. Go, 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 go. Two years later. Now, go, go, go. He's he's rugged. He's tortured. He works construction. He's also working at a mill in Minnesota, a paper mill at Minnesota, which is the happiest place on earth. It's gray. Yeah. It's snowy. It's It sucks, everyone. <laughs> also, he lives in a trailer outside of his brother's bar, which is called Dorsey's Penalty Box, which is really bad because Doug Dorsey here used to be his hometown's golden boy. 
and his older brother, yep. who is the most Canadian man on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's Minnesota. It's basically Canada. It's fine. His accent, his haircut, his facial hair, everything screams <laughs> that his name is Gord, and he knows the right aisle of Canadian Tire where they have the tape. <laughs> so his brother is running a bar, and he asked Doug to help out with him. And Doug's like, no! I have a game, which is a pickup game being played among friends in a bar league, and his brother says, like, look, I need you to help. You live here. I need your help. This is not for fun. Real life is continuing. Oh, my God. I love the amount of melodrama in this scene. <laughs> I'm no bartender. Get used to it. <laughs> I love him. But then his brother points out that his 23rd letter arrived from the Detroit Red Wings. Hey, Doug, sorry about the eye. Go piss up a rope. Okay. 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 So Doug gets, like, really mad at this and, like, grabs his brother's lapels. And his brother just shouts the most on-the-nose melodrama, this is your character flaw thing right here. Are you going to fight me? Are you going to fight the world? Are you going to fight everybody? <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. And Doug storms off to angrily do construction. He's got to construct and he's got to brood. He's got to brood. He's a broody boy now. He's uh, tortured. I just got to say, maybe this is the point to say it. D.B. Sweeney's very handsome in this movie. He is. <laughs> he's cute. He is very handsome. In this movie. He's got a cockeyed, cocksure grin that's, oh no. Yeah, he's the youngest of seven rough and tumble brothers, but he's the nice one who you might tutor on the side and he'll be nice to you and at one point his brothers will bully you and then he'll like stand up for you a little bit and your heart will grow three sizes that day. He's got a beautiful soul. He does. <laughs> this isn't me, you know. This is just the job. <laughs> Everybody stay tuned for AO3 when Lucas posts his cutting edge AU fic. High school AU, please. Right, right. His high school AU cutting edge fic, it will be, mm, what, 30K <laughs> is, is your lowball estimate? 30K words? A kind estimate. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mac, what tags would you suggest? Well, I would definitely say he should have, like, a high school family, probably Ooh. cruel teacher. Ooh, yeah. Her comfort, maybe? Oh, oh yeah, that could work, yeah. yeah. be there. Dreams and nightmares. Ooh. <laughs> Uh-huh. As, as uh, you know, as Doug has dreams about being on the ice, which turns into a nightmare. Yes. Which later comes with the hurt comfort. Angst. Always. Always. Yeah. Always. always. Probably some lime, right? Yeah, definitely some <laughs> they're lime. They're teens. Yeah, they're teens. Soulmates. Ooh, yeah, soulmate AU. It's also a soulmate AU. Roughness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Necessary roughness or unnecessary roughness? Penalty box. That's, I was just about to say, thank you. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, meanwhile, jealousy. our favorite girl, Kate, is driving a new partner into the ground like a railroad spike. She's just spinning like she's in the middle of a Maho Shoujo transformation. Yeah, and he falls out about halfway through and just kind of stops and catches her breath, and she speeds up just because fuck you. So she has a new coach. This is Anton Pamchenko. He's Russian. I kind of love him, honestly. He's great. He's the foreign gruff father figure coach with a beautiful soul. He's got some serious yeah. General Iroh energy. He does. Mm -hmm. and, and, it's, mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. is 1992, so things with Russia is, are still kind of like, eh. So it's kind of nice. He's probably got a tragic past where he, you know, defected or something, something. They've mentioned oh, yeah. he's highly qualified later on. He's one of the best in the world. Her father brought him in because 
Kate has sent eight partners packing in two years because she always finds something wrong with him. And he refers to her, a tagline which I feel a lot of my friends would enjoy. Petite, powerful, intelligent, but always coming, the big B. What a bitch. <laughs> I feel that in my soul. You get it tattooed on your knuckles. Except for the petite part. <laughs> You're pretty short. I'm short. You have petite energy. Petite and angry. Thank you. I think. I like the first quip that Kate gets out about her current partner, whom she's about to ditch, which is, I've got laundry that can skate better than that. <laughs> which, like, what does that mean? <laughs> she has many bladed outfits. I think it's pretty clear. Did she just throw the hamper onto the ice and it just kind of slides a little? And she's like, huh, better than that guy. I guess. Anton and her father, Jack, have a conversation about new partners and ask about particular people. Anton says... He said before he skate with her, he wear garlic from neck and sleep with cross. She's a huge bitch and we love her. We love her a lot. So they decide that if they're at the bottom of the barrel, they're going to find another barrel. And meanwhile, Doug is very bad at building a house. I want to reel back on that one just a second, because what the hell kind of an answer is, I'm at the bottom of a barrel, then find another barrel. <laughs> Can someone deconstruct this metaphor for me? Well, you see, they've run out of examples from that one particular barrel, but maybe there is a different kind of barrel, a barrel that has other things in it that might be useful, I think. Like fish. Like hockey players. Like angst. <laughs> or fish. <laughs> <laughs> what about an angsty fish? I want an angsty fish AU. Yes. <laughs> Lucas, can you get on an angsty fish AU for us? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> It's a mermaid AU, damn it. There you go. Now you're on something. Everybody loves a mermaid AU. Doug is literally hanging from the lintel of a door, attempting to hammer in a nail to nothing. Yeah, what the fuck is he doing? He's very bad <laughs> at building a house. It's terrible. He's not even hitting the nail. <laughs> He's angrily constructing. So Anton Pemchenko walks up here, and he's just like, hello. Hello, you idiot. Hello, you stupid idiot who can't construct. I hope you can skate well, he thinks to himself. <laughs> Doug thinks it's a goof from his brother, which confuses Anton, because in Russia they have no goofs. <laughs> He's foreign, y'all. He thinks Anton is from the Leafs, which I checked. Mike Babcock was coaching the Leafs. Mike Babcock is not Russian. We have established that he did think that a German girl's name was Anita, so... <laughs> Anton asks him how he's training, and Doug lies his ass off, saying he's been skating five to six hours a day and doing drills, when in fact, no, he has been drinking heavily and working at a factory and <laughs> constructing badly. Anton pulls out figure skates, and we get a passing truck horn of disbelief <laughs> Doug's reaction shot. Yeah, it's like we can't have just a beat of silence. We have to have something back in there. <laughs> and Doug has to say the line for the trailer. Hey. Those are figure skates, pal. <laughs> While looking as if he has been asked to solve a differential equation. <laughs> His brow is very furrowed. A smash cut to pulling up in front of an incredibly fancy house in the country somewhere? In Greenwich. Greenwich. So he's in Connecticut. I know that because that's where okay. the rich wrestlers are from. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Uh Connecticut is where the rich everybody's from. And Doug is hanging his head out the window like a dog and immediately says that he should have held out for more. Yes, Doug, you probably should have. You probably should have, Doug. We never actually get, like, a figure on exactly how much he's being offered here. It's a lot. That's all that matters. Yeah. It's a solid chunk of it's money a for a guy who lives in a trailer behind a bar and doesn't know how to hammer in a nail. 
I would have appreciated just a ridiculously even number. Yeah. Five million dollars! <laughs> in 1992 money, which is going to just make my head hurt, frankly. <laughs> he goes out to the rink that Kate's father has built for her to be her birdcage. And as they walk in, she's skating backwards behind them. You know, backwards in heels. The way women have to do things in films. Keeping mm-hmm. up a running conversation, at which point she notices him and says, Hey, you're that hockey player. As if to say, oh yeah... I read that article about how your head's messed up now and you can't play. Is that a sore spot for you? I don't care. (laughs) This is the point where the movie suddenly gets incredibly horny. And (laughs) the sexual tension will never, ever, ever stop for the rest of the film. It is an incredibly horny skating movie. And this is where we start to get it. Because Anton's like, is tryout. I have this line here, followed by several oh my gods in my notes. Which is, as he gets on the ice, and he puts his hands on her hip, I think, as they're doing just like a basic setup. Oh, God. I know my hands are a little rough, but they've never had any complaints before. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, no. If I may. Okay. They shake hands, and she pulls away and asks if he soaks them in battery acid. And he says, they're a little rough, but I've never had any complaints. (laughs) God. Oh, my God. So good. What? Are you allowed to be this explicitly horny? It's very good. Apparently, yes. Yes. I did find a book once at, like, half price. Uh-huh. Which is actually very similar. It's not the cutting edge, because it's explicitly all about hockey. But it's called, like, Forever Pucked. Oh, my God. Hold up. Is this a smut watch or not? It's Christmas, kids. It's Christmas every day. This is Smut Watch. I'm not going to talk too much about okay. it, but this is forever pucked. <laughs> is it horny? It's just horny on the ice all the time. Awesome. They try a few things. It doesn't go well. And Kate asks if it's the final stages of Ukrainian alcohol psychosis, which, hey, that's not cool, Kate. Here's the thing about Anton, though, and this is how we establish exactly how he handles these two idiots. And exactly how he's Iro. Yes. Yes. Right down to, like looking at them bicker and he's just off there on the side like dang on fuck (laughs) (laughs) but also not not like a kindergarten teacher yeah hey you need to build the sandcastle together do you want to be right or do you want to be a team yeah i'm gonna go get the this is our get along shirt right (laughs) he's like you have literally nothing to lose you two are both at rock freaking bottom here of your respective emotional and, and like, narrative arcs here. And professional things. Literally no one is calling either of you nope. to go and do the thing you want to do. Nobody wants you because you have burned every bridge. This here is our get-along ice rink. Yes. yes. There we go. This is our get-along rink. Doug tries to storm off saying that he came a long way for lunch, I guess. And she goes, I wouldn't want to keep you from the trough. <laughs> Oh, they're gonna bone so hard. (laughs) They're gonna bone so hard! They're gonna bone. They're gonna (laughs) bone, you guys. It's such a horny movie. (laughs) So they get to position, and Doug looks down and he says, Hey, what's these claws up front? It's a toe pick. So the toe pick is basically for stops. Yes. Yes, it allows precision in turns, and also for jumps, it allows a gripping surface so that you can get up into the air. Notably, hockey skates don't have these. No, because they're more built for speed and, and cornering rather than you know, getting right. you up off the ice. So they get into position. She asks him if he showers once a week. He says, is that an invitation? 
Horny. So horny, this movie. <laughs> horny. So horny. So horny. Horny ice movie. And they take off, and he stacks it. He stacks it really bad. <laughs> yeah, he takes a spill, and it's real bad. Especially because, like, this part of the movie, every time they skate until they start, like, getting along, it's very much like it's the horse girl movie. Kate is the horse that cannot be tamed, and that's a real bad metaphor for a female character mm -hmm. in, like, kind of a taming of the shrew thing, but for Doug, Doug is now the girl in the horse girl movie. <laughs> I am perfectly okay with that analogy. I mean, it even gets to the point where Doug is so over it that when Anton says, pick her up, he grabs her by her armpits and hoists her up like she's a sack of flour. Like he's holding up a cat! <laughs> And then he's like, okay, that's enough. And he just lets her go at a height, and she lands directly on her butt, which, again, looks like it hurt a lot. And he's like, nah, guess you need to work on that one. <laughs> looks like it hurt a lot. Like Beatrice, <laughs> she goes, you cretin, ooh, and then she runs away. Again, like, fascinating that he picks her up by the armpits, because, again, this is a horny skate movie. Armpits is the least horny place you can pick somebody up. Unless you're into that, I guess. <laughs> Don't want to yuck anybody's yum. <laughs> So we cut to an empty trophy case, and it's a metaphor, folks. <laughs> it's a visual metaphor. It's a case for her future Olympic medals, which considering she's already failed at one Olympics badly, you'd think he would take that away. But no, it's there. We're going to touch on this trophy case a couple of times in the movie. There are several lines that indicate that there's supposed to be a more fleshed out arc here with like daddy expectations and like mother's dreams, but it doesn't quite get fleshed out. They was kind of tossed to the side in exchange for horny. Right. We had to make room for more horny. And honestly, I'm okay with yeah. it. Yeah. And Kate's dad is used to having this conversation. This is like that bit in Iron Man when Pepper Potts takes the reporter and she's just like, yes, I am used to this. I do this every second Tuesday. And he cuts Doug a check. For all that this check is not received, Doug at least sneaks a look at the number and his eyebrows touch his considerable hairline. Because <laughs> apparently even the pity check is enough to scare this working class person. We have this, like, it seems like it's supposed to be a metaphor here. Daddy Gaborbucks here also coincidentally has, like, every single dossier from every skate partner they've tried. And he rips them up and crumples them and throws it into a chamber pot or something that's supposed to be for fire <laughs> tools. It's meant to hold the wood for a fireplace, except for that fireplace has never seen wood because they're rich people. Right. They have central heating. Yes. So he tosses it and it misses. He lifts someone else, tosses it, and it misses. And does that like four or five times or something. And then Doug. <laughs> Perfect, handsome Doug. <laughs> God, what does he tear up here? Is it his own dossier? No, he picks up his own resume and he crumples it, but yeah. he crumples it into a tight ball instead of a loose ball. Looks at it consideringly and makes the shot in one throw. Because his pride is up, you see. And he then says double or nothing, and the father agrees, and he crumples up the check. Meanwhile, Kate is trying very hard not to listen outside the door. In her terrible, terrible vest. Yeah, it's a bad vest. It's a bad rich lady vest. It's agreed that Doug is staying. Kate hates it. And she tells him flat out, I don't think you can skate. And he says, there are two things I do really well, and skating is the other one. Ew, horny! <laughs> horny skate movie! This next one may be, like, my favorite line of the movie because she sort of scoffs and calls him a Neanderthal. And he says, I hate to tell you, lady, I'm from Minnesota. That's south of Neanderthal. That's south of Neanderthal. It's still good. Oh, my God. We 
go through this skating training montage bit with some dialogue intercut and we get to know each other a little bit. Kate mentions, and this is very important, as any person who likes romance can smell from a mile away, <laughs> she has a boyfriend. His name is Hale. Who has a Harvard MBA <laughs> who's working in her father's London office. And it's like, oh, hello, Mr. Not Right Now. Doug is like, I bet you look pretty good from a few thousand miles away. <laughs> and look, folks, if you're getting a little sick of Doug's shtick, his kind of bullshit macho posturing, well... Guess what? You're in luck because you get to watch him eat shit for five minutes straight. <laughs> well, Kate just literally skates circles around him. And says, Mac, you want to do it? <laughs> it's a topic. So towards the end of the montage, you see Doug in just like basically boxer shorts wearing an ice girdle because, oh my God, he hurts so much. <laughs> Figure skating is hard. Yeah. And I do like that the movie doesn't skimp on this. It, it goes through every pain to say, like, this isn't something that is worse because it is considered feminine for whatever freaking reason. It's actually hard. <laughs> and for all that he was good at one particular thing that was similar, it's a completely different retraining of all of his muscle memory. And the great thing about it, too, is, like, no one laughs at him for doing, like, the packing and, like, relaxing his muscles thing. It's just treated like, yeah, that's this part of training. Yeah, this is what you actually have to do. It's just a different kind of athleticism. Yeah. And I really like that. Like, for all that Doug is like a macho scumbag in this first part of the movie, and as much as his, like, smartassness never really goes away, the movie honestly does a decent job of deconstructing some of that, like, early 90s toxic masculinity in this scenario. Yeah, yeah it's a 1992 movie. I was fully expecting for there to be a gay joke, for there to be some kind yeah. of emasculating comment, and there's none of it. We have, like, maybe a couple of things that go towards that, but the thing is that they are treated in the film as being inappropriate and hurtful. Yeah. yeah. And like, we'll mention those when they come up because one of them is basically when Doug goes home. But that's not for a while. But even that's handled particularly well. Yeah. They're treated so well. Yeah. Again, almost like it's Canada and you accept that figure skating is a real and important Olympic sport. But no, this is an American <laughs> movie. <laughs> After the montage, the Zamboni is going around the rink to clean the ice. Kate is sitting in a padded chair reading a book, and Doug is playing hockey against the Zamboni because he is a dork. He's a huge freaking nerd, and it's very charming. It's, it's kind of cute. Because it's almost like I'm very interested in huge freaking nerds. <laughs> yeah. He is listing off famous players as if he is playing on an all-star team, and even at one point checks the Zamboni and rolls off to the side. Yeah, I like maybe maybe the only way that you can tell that this movie isn't like the most Canadian is that Gretzky only gets name checked like once, maybe twice, and no one just says the great one and expects you to know who the hell they're talking about. Kate, who's reading her book and Can can I just talk about how comfy that chair looks? It's a good oh, it looks chair. so comfy. And all the blankets. Yes. Like, honestly, just sitting by an ice rink in a pile of blankets sounds like heaven. Right? And we see later there's, like, a silver coffee service. So it's like, mm -hmm. this is a very comfy spot. Yeah. No, you get the feeling that she probably spends a lot of time hanging out here by herself. Mm-hmm. And she asks why he doesn't read. <laughs> and he goes, Doug can read. Like, he, he is, like, a caveman. <laughs> yeah. What, like a book? <laughs> We go through a back and forth about some of their respective educations. It turns out, you know, Doug, she's got, you know, just the, just, just the public school education and he's fine with it. And also he has never really had to care that much because, uh, athletic scholarship. Yeah. The only thing he had to read was a scoreboard, <laughs> baby. Kate's <laughs> like, what a tragic commentary on our times. <laughs> I love her. What I actually think is really interesting is that he's saying that this talent that he had let him coast 
which is a nice contrast to her, who has the talent but also works her butt off for everything she has. Yeah. With him, it's like he's reminiscing of his glory days that were three years ago. Remember, he's like still 23 at this point, and he's acting like he's this old veteran. We also learn here that one of the reasons that Kate is such a bitch who doesn't care about getting along with people is that she has never really had to. She's been homeschooled her entire life, it sounds. Yeah. Probably because she's been skating since she was small. Like nine. Yeah. She just talks about how she had tutors and never really had to worry about anything. Almost like <laughs> it's a classist discussion of the privilege involved. That's honestly also another thing we get into here. It's like we have a severe class break between these two characters. And that's something that, you know, doesn't really get rubbed up against a lot. But we really see how that does affect both characters' worldview significantly. He actually, for the first time in the film, gets Kate on the back foot because, classistly, she does try to run him down for not really finishing college. And he admits that, oh yeah, by the way, his scholarship went away when he was injured. He then turns it back on her and she has to admit that, no, just tutors, and immediately changes the subject. So, hey, who wants to play hockey? Yeah, and it's time to do a role reversal. Yeah. Where he shows her up on the, on the ice, on the ice, ice rink, mm. not field, <laughs> what I said. So they decide to play hockey, and he gets out his hockey skates, and he he takes her to school. Oh, she's yeah. so bad at it. Like, she holds yeah. the hockey stick like it's a sword or something. <laughs> and he is doing that Sidney Crosby thing where he's bouncing the puck around off his skate, off his stick, like through her legs, and he just keeps scoring more and more goals. In goals that are the jug and tray of the coffee service, you know, like they're kids in a schoolyard. You pile up a bunch of stuff and that's your goals. And it's honestly like really fun to just see him be like actually good at this because we just watched him falling on his face for five minutes solid while Kate was just like, topic. A high status, low status reversal if you want to take it from a UCB standpoint. And it, it's kind of glorious and she's mad. She's real yeah. mad. Oh, she gets so mad. She is not good at losing. She is a sore oh. competitor. So she gets it lined up and he's joking with her and we get this incredible slow-mo of Moira Kelly with a killing face <laughs> murdering this hockey puck with a slap shot. She screams at the top of her lungs and we get one of those movie slowdowns. It even freezes on his face as he goes, oh no. Yeah, it's it's very wily Coyote. Smash cut to the hospital. Oh my God. And it's such a good smash cut though. And we smash cut to the hospital. We get like the true Sundari moment where Moira Kelly's like, well, his nose wasn't very good looking anyway. Oh my God. But also like it does that thing where for half a second, the movie makes you think that she has killed Doug Dorsey. <laughs> we just see her watch somebody else roll by on a stretcher. And then she turns to Anton and says like, well, you know, his nose just got broke. It's fine. It's not like his nose was perfect anyway. <laughs> she thought his nose was perfect. And then she tries to say, I don't know why I feel guilty. You know, he made us play anyway. <laughs> he was the one who wanted to play hockey. And she has just been rambling to Anton, and he says absolutely nothing because he has pure Uncle Iroh energy. <laughs> He's reading a magazine, not even paying attention. Yes, I'm going to let you sit in this. <laughs> Until finally he's like, you're not guilty. You feel afraid because, and he like says the thing that the movie very much wants him to say, you have finally found yourself a partner. Yep. <laughs> like, they gon' f <laughs> They gon' f They gon' bone. <laughs> 
So then the nurse wheels Doug out in a wheelchair, and his entire head is covered in bandages, and he is lolling like he's just come out of a coma. And Moira, in a panic, is like, you just said it was his nose! Oh my god, can we talk about the, like, cojones he had to be like, excuse me, nurse. 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 Can you help me? I need to passive-aggressively punish this woman that I am in angry love with. I know a lot of nurses, and honestly, they'd all be like, yeah, that's yeah. not great. <laughs> you know she goes back to the nurse's station. It's like, you guys, you guys, you guys, check that. Look, look at this. Look at this crap. And you know the other nurses would have been they're like. They're going to bone? Yeah, they're going to bone. <laughs> How much worse can we make this? Can we get him a drip? Oh, let's get him a wheelchair. Oh, that'll be great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Who has that nose brace? Oh, oh, yeah, good. This will be great. And so he casually unwraps the bandages and sews what is still a pretty bad stitched scar between his eyes. But it also yeah. didn't break, like, his nose bridge or anything. It is right between his eye and, his and like, the top of his nose. So, yeah, actually a dangerous hit, but nowhere near mm-hmm. as bad as he made it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's she going to do? Heck up his eye even more? And then he says, Mac. Oh, he says, Topic, right? Topic. It's Topic. And she gets so mad. Oh, she's so mad. We had the last picture of in the hospital is him just kind of staring. Before, smash cut to workout scenes. It's another training montage. Which, it starts with this really cute jogging yes. scene. <laughs> it's so cute. The song is Right on Time by Black Box, but I hope you like this song because we're going to get it a lot. And they couldn't afford either Good Vibrations by Monkey Mark and the Funky Bunch, but they also couldn't afford Rhythm is a Dancer, so they got this instead. Look, there's a lot of things they couldn't afford in this movie because they put all the budget in horny. (laughs) Speaking of horny. So everyone is hot in this training montage. Speaking of horny. Speaking of horny, this montage. There's a lot of aerobic kickboxing. There's shirtless push-ups. There's a lot of focus on beefy (laughs) arms, both masculine and feminine. There's arms, you guys. There's arms. And they are angrily staring at each other as they each pump iron. And they're all sweaty as they're angrily staring at each other. It's good. It's the good stuff, you guys. Oh. Each of them have, like, you know how we got Doug covered in ice earlier? We have Kate exhausted, falling asleep at the table, like, face-planting into her salad. <laughs> yeah, there's a quiet dinner where everybody is just too tired from being horny and strong. And Daddy Gavor Bucks is like, Kate! Smack into salad. Vichy all over her face. <laughs> she needs red meat. She's she's doing a lot of strength training. She needs to be strong. The salad, it will not take. Strong. She needs to be strong, angry girl. He's like, you want my hands where? Uh, yes, because he has to pick her up. Not by the armpits. Nope. And Uncle Iroh just points. And he's like, all right. And he sort of wiggles his fingers like he's about to crack a safe. He's very excited. Yeah, also a little bit of truth in television because hockey shortens your hamstrings because it's lots of short sideways movements. And mm-hmm. you see him trying to do ballet with her and he's really bad at it. Yeah, she's very good at ballet though. Very bendy, although he is also attempting to flex in the mirror. And the ballet teacher is basically telling him, shut up, pay attention. (laughs) Like, within this, too, we see her trying to get there, like, early so she can work. uh, But he's there already because he's practicing a lot. And then we have a few moments later him doing the same thing and arriving to her already on the ice. They're pushing each other, you guys. They're pushing each other. It's so good. And we get to see Doug doing things like he does a little axle, like just a single. But he wouldn't have been able to do that before. And towards the end, they stop and do the little foot-to-the-side stop of figure skating. And he hits the toe pick, and she misses. 
Yes. Yes, 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 yes. He then celebrates. They push each other. And completely stacks it and falls on his face, but doesn't care. <laughs> he, because he's actually taking personal pride in this. He doesn't think that it's something yeah. beneath him. It's very cute. Also. It's so cute. It's very important, you guys. It's very important that while they are skating. See, in all the stuff that we've seen before, either she's skating too fast, he's skating too slow, or they're not matching each other. So, like, they have to hold hands while they're skating yeah. together. At one point, she moves her hand when he goes to grab for it, and he falls on his face. Uh-huh. But it happens, but... and she looks back, and she's startled, and he smiles at her, and she quickly, like, rearranges her face again. But yeah. they both saw it. It's so good! Oh, he's got a very cute lopsided smile. It's... Oh, it's so good! Oh, it's so good! They hold hands! It just hits all of my favorite things when there's, like, two angry people coming together, and I love yes, it. Yes, 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 yes. They hate each other, but they have to skate together. And she gr is grudgingly beginning to respect him. They respect each other and push each other to be better people. Doki doki. <laughs> so Anton is helping Doug relax. He's actually giving like his legs a massage because, yeah, skating hurts everyone. Reminder. Mm -hmm. And Doug sort of posits that Kate doesn't even like to skate. That he does it because he loves it. And with her, it's just work. And Uncle Iroh gets to say, well, you like working in factory? Well, no, I did it because I had to. <laughs> Like, again, this is something that we will touch on occasionally. I feel like we never quite get the right resolution to this, but the movie makes a very good effort towards it. It's like smash cut to winter, but it ends up being Christmas. Kate is sadly combing her hair in front of a window while naked after a shower. You know, like you do. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a knock on the door, and she says, a minute, just a minute. But, you know, it's Doug. He just opens the door anyway. Oh, my God. And so she is not wearing a towel, by the way. Until this moment when she's like, oh my god, get out, get out, get out, hold up, let me hold up my towel. And he's like, kid, I handle stuff all the time, it's not Just, a mystery. I've been in hockey locker rooms, it's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like, though, that he looks, but he is not leering about it. Yes! Yeah. It's yeah. just like, oh, shit, um, okay, but look, I'm gonna pretend it's fine. At no point does he, like roll his eyes or tilt his head or do any kind yeah. of pervy stuff there's no focus on his eyes where he does like an up and down anything no. yeah he glances down and then he holds his gaze up at her eye level and keeps it there and does not like yeah. he probably should have turned around at least mm -hmm. but this is a decent alternative yeah the reason he's in the room and the reason he doesn't turn around or leave is because he's really yes. excited to give her her christmas present get him! so cute he got her a prezi and he wrapped it in newspaper <gasps> Because he's a dork. <laughs> he wrapped it himself. He's a dummy. It's so cute. And he gave her Bobby Hull's game sweater, which has been his prized possession for 15 years. A side note, Bobby Hull, one of the greatest hockey players of all time. Still alive in his 80s. Damn. Constantly remember. I think he's still, like, maybe in the top 10 total point scorers of all time. Wow. It's a big deal. He was on one of the original six hockey teams that started the NHL. This is a big freaking deal. This is something that one imagines would be hanging in a case on his wall. Yeah. Now, is this the sweater that he's been wearing in previous scenes? Because he's been wearing a, at least a jersey similar to this. Yeah, he's been wearing a practice jersey, probably because he didn't want to sweat on this. He does wear various Blackhawks jerseys throughout the movie. But this is one that he prizes, and he has given it to her, and she has no idea what it is. Oh my god, it's so awkward. He hands it to her, and she's like, okay. <laughs> it's a sweater. Uh-huh. The minute he's like, I've had it for 15 years, she starts to get it, and he's like, no, you don't like it, I'll take it back. And it's like, no! 
I want it. <laughs> I like it. I want it. I don't want to be the one that loses this interaction. No, you don't want it. I'll take it back. I No, I like it. She yells, <laughs> I like it. I like it. And he's like, you're going to rip it. And she's like, then let it go. It's mine. She does so much screaming in this movie, especially when she is like addled or, or flustered. And it's great. It's funny that you mentioned the horse analogy because she is showing the whites of her eyes all around during this. She is spooked, folks. Yes. But then, of course, she also got him a present. It's just sitting on her dresser. And it's very nicely wrapped in a bag with, like, crepe paper. Oh, my God. First off, he looks up at her like, I got a Prezi. And, like, he freaking tears into this like a child does, just ripping the paper. Pull it off. Pull it off. No more tissue paper. Present, present, present. And she bought him a copy of Great Expectations, a really nice looking one. Yeah. Which she explains, it was either that or Curious George plays hockey. (laughs) Because she can't be emotionally honest. No. She has to play it off with a snipe. No. They got each other something they both like in the hopes that the other person would like it, too. Uh, they got them both so presents good. that are emotionally meaningful to them and relate to earlier oh. conversations. These idiots! <laughs> They're so dumb, you guys! It's so good. And if you think from the greater expectations standpoint, we're meant to think she's Estella. She's Miss Haversham. And he's Pip. Oh my god. It's good. It's good. It's good, you guys. So since it's the holiday season, let's have a New Year's party with many, many old rich white people and the whitest Muzak jazz band. Old rich white people. Oh my god, (laughs) they're playing the worst covers. But the most important part of this establishing shot is when he looks up to look at her from across the party and he sees her fiancé come down and touch her shoulder and he just gets this look on his face and your heart breaks. Oh my god, she's, we have just the thing where he's wearing a tux and he's looking around. He's clearly looking for her. To impress her with his tux. He dressed <laughs> up. Because you know what's the good shit, you guys? It's when the characters dress up and they're surprised at how pretty the other one is. Yeah. That's good. That's quality. That is the good shit. And he's so uncomfortable that he goes and he hides in her dad's office where all the pictures of her are. And she finds him in there because she's taking a break from the party. And she tries to put on the, we don't let people in here. And he's so excited to talk to her about the pictures that he's seen of her. He's a puppy. It's so good. He's like, oh, you were so cute. Look, 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 that's you. That's you. I want to talk about you. He's a a golden retriever, you guys. What is this expression? Is this a smile? He's such a golden Ah, No, he's not even a golden retriever. He's, He's a scrappy mutt who loves you. Oh, he's very scrappy. Yes. He then points out his tux and he says it's pretty sharp. It cost him $69.95. <laughs> and she's like, first off, nice. Second, you complete dingus, turn around, let me at least make sure this fits on you. And straightens it out because it's kind of hunched up around him <laughs> the way suit jackets do when they've been, you know, kept in the trunk of a car or something. She's like, turn around. He's like, wait, what are you doing? No, just turn around. Just wait, but you're, but you're touching me. Turn around. It's cute. It's real cute. Oh, it's so cute. They're such dorks. Oh, and then there's a callback to the Christmas gift as they step out of the office and he goes, I really, I read that book and I liked it. Uh, and, oh, and she, of course, snipes. And she's like, oh, did you use it as a doorstop? Or a coaster. And he's like, no, I read it. Let's establish that this is a New Year's party, which means that it's pretty close. Like, if they exchange presents before Christmas, it's probably been maybe a couple of weeks at the most. And he has already read Great Expectations, which... So cute. Great Expectations is not thin. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's also dense Dickensian bullshit. Yeah. And he read it. 
but he devoured it because she gave it to him. He wanted to understand her. All of this good, cute nonsense is immediately kicked into teeth. Which is also good. Because here's Hale to spoil everything. Oh, it's Mr. Not Right Now. Which is, by the way, something that I pulled from somebody who was talking about a whole bunch of Hallmark Christmas movies. That's the character that you have in the Hallmark Christmas movie. He's the boyfriend or the fiancé that the main lady has to break it off with to get with her, like, charming boyfriend from a small town in Vermont who understands the true meaning of family and Christmas. (laughs) He's a perfectly lovely man. He lets her go pretty easily. There's some hurt feelings. He's kind. He's rich. But he's not right for her right now. He's Mr. Not Right Now. And in this movie, Mr. Not Right Now is the MBA Harvard boy, Hale. Who has that Princeton haircut for all that he goes to Harvard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he even, like, gives a handshake with Doug, and he tries to be macho. And he's like, I played hockey myself, you know, for fun. Yeah, and then Doug is like, well, let me know. We'll slap it around sometime. And it's like, Doug? 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 (laughs) Doug? Doug, you? Doug, you queer? You queer, Doug? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then, of course, Hale Big Dog's in by saying, well, maybe he'll come by and help me with some currency arbitrage. <laughs> yeah, Hale even has, like, a transatlantic accent here. And Kate just goes, I'm gonna go because naked male issues here, just, I- I'm not into it. But then she moves notably towards Doug and touches him on the chest before turning and walking away. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh, yeah. No, we even emphasize that later on when, like, we just pass time at the party, and then she just looks over, and Doug's popular with ladies. And she just kind of gets this look on her face of clear kind of distress. She's so jelly, you guys! But then Hale slides in and basically says the stay away from my girl line, where he says, I hear you've been giving her a rough time, and I don't like her upset. And Doug can't help himself. He says that you should invest in blindfolds. You guys, they hate each other. How could they ever get together and skate? (laughs) Well, luckily, it's almost like they're at a holiday where something happens and then people have to kiss. Yeah. Are you saying saying we're at a holiday party for an event that is coded as an extremely romantic one in the West? Yep. What? And then the ball drops. Everyone's kissing. And it's real casual. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Doug is even being kissed by old ladies because props, old ladies. You see a D.B. Sweeney, you go for it. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Everybody want a piece of Doug. But then we get that slow-mo as he and Kate go for it. As they like, like, oh no, we made eye contact and we're close to each other. With sparklers in soft focus behind us. But everybody's going into a kiss. Do we go in for a kiss? And then they move forward and at the last minute veer off to the side and do a cheek kiss. <laughs> but they're so rattled. Oh, it's off-putting. They're both so rattled by the cheek kiss. They're so rattled. <gasps> Doki Doki, what could this mean? Doki fucking Doki. <laughs> Doug is packing to go home for the holidays and Kate drops by and it is weird. Oh, yeah. Folks, it's weird. Oh, yeah. It is so awkward. This is the part where there is a lot of sexual tension, but they are not actually trying to bicker at the moment. But that's still the only language they are comfortable communicating in because it's emotionally distant. Neither of them know how to people. They have no idea how to people. Then she spots a crumpled up picture that Doug stuck on his mirror, which is him smelling the ice with, by the way, a paper bag 40 next to him because hockey players. (laughs) And he explained that he loved the smell of fresh ice. And so his hockey 
teammates would take pictures of him and it became a thing the way that small things do when you're on the road with a hockey team i'm shocked this wasn't a callback like this doesn't get a callback later in the movie it's a little bit because what they talk about next is kate saying that she's never thought of it and he says well i'm not surprised you'd skate even better if you let yourself enjoy it a little and he's so tentative when he says this because he knows it's criticism Mm -hmm. and they're not actually trying to be mean to each other at the moment and it's weird He's trying to be nice, and she she kind of goes off like a firecracker. But she also got him a, a going away present because <laughs> she's not. It's not like she'll miss him or anything. No, not at all. She recorded him and edited him together a video of their greatest hits of them skating together, so he can show his family. And uh-oh. <laughs> isn't your family coming to nationals? Which, by the way, I forgot for a while when we were doing this skating montage and this Christmas event and this New Year's event (laughs) that this was a sports movie and therefore everybody's concerned (laughs) about nationals. (laughs) Nationals. She's been really nice about it. She even booked his family rooms near the arena so they can come and see him. And Doug is shrinking into his shoes because he hasn't told them yet. He hasn't told them at all. And she probably doesn't even know exactly what family means at this point for him. She probably just assumes, like, I don't know, like, parents and siblings or something. He then says he's going to tell them now, and we cut to him standing across the highway from the bar, looking like he's going to storm the beach at Normandy. (laughs) He's terrified. He's terrified. It's the middle of the day, and the bar is packed with locals. Oh, yeah. And he walks in, and one of the waitresses sees him and screams his name and runs and plants one on him. It's Dougie! Because he's the golden boy, everyone. Dougie's still the golden boy, and he's home from the merchant marine? Question marks? Well, yeah, and his brother assumes he went off and joined the merchant marine, and so he's making all kinds of nautical stuff, and he's being slapped on the back and hugged. Everybody's so happy to see him. And you can just tell how awkward he looks. Oh, he's so scared. And then finally, he's like, look, bro, I need to talk to you. And he's like, no, no, everyone here is family. You can say it in front of everyone. Oh, Tell us. Sing us your love song, young lover. Sing it. <laughs> and he then says, I wasn't at the Merchant Marines. I've been, you know, doing some figure skating. And the bar goes silent. You could hear a pin drop, except for one old man who goes, finger painting? <laughs> <laughs> We cut to, like, outside the bar with his, like, you don't understand, Walter. <laughs> Walter even says, was it something I did? Yeah, no, this scene is very much coded. Like, Doug has just come out to his brother, and his brother is not taking it well. It's almost to the point where it's as on the nose as that scene in X-Men with, have you tried not being a mutant? Although, it comes to light quickly that what Walter's actually worried about is that Doug has settled. That Doug is not going after what he wants anymore. He's taken, he said, you'll be in the ice capades in a year. And Doug says, no, I don't want a consolation prize. I want to win. And at which point he then blurts out, well, I like it. Yeah, like Walter is like, you're a hockey player, Doug, which is really interesting because he has not been very supportive of that for any point in the last two years but here he is now being like this is who you are this is how you are as i understand you this is something that i am comfortable with because it is masculine at some point he's like are they gonna make you shave your legs like are they going to make you shed these like performative masculinity parts because i can't deal with you doing anything that we have culturally coded as being feminine but the nice turn at the end of that conversation is that the minute he finds out that this is making doug happy and that Doug is attempting to go for the Olympics again, he immediately accepts it, and it stops being a problem. 
it's kind of a quick turn, and I kind of wish they'd spent a bit more time with this as a subplot, but... Uh, the horniness. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta make room for more horny. More horny. This isn't horny. No, this is not horny. But, like, I do really love the fact that Doug is not, like... Doug is not embarrassed or apologetic here. He does not try to make it as though no. he doesn't enjoy it. He is very clear about, like, it's figure skating. I like doing it, and I'm good at it. Yeah. All of his sadness comes from, oh, my brother's reacting this way. This is what I expected. Yeah. It is very much like I was expecting to not be supported emotionally here and to have this questioned and essentially just to dredge up a lot of toxic masculinity. And this is what is happening here because this is his only family. We said it before. It's fair for the time. At no point are any slurs thrown around. Doug's orientation is not questioned. It's it's very strongly coded that way, but for a movie made in 1992, it is honestly relatively... I don't want to say toothless because that implies that there's not a lot emotionally happening in this scene, but it is done relatively well compared to how it could have gone, I guess. As if to spin all of that on its head, we then cut to Doug at a costume fitting. In a ridiculous sparkly matador outfit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the hell they are even planning here. Are they gonna do some hella Carmen? What? Probably, based on the next scene after mm. this one. I mean, Bolero was a big hit for Torval and Dean, but that's <laughs> later. <laughs> the, even at one point, one of the tailors wants to move his sash away from Doug's junk because we don't want him to hide his light under a basket, at which point Doug <laughs> stores out. <laughs> He's like, all right, first off, it's light under a bushel, jerk. <laughs> Secondly, no. I'm sorry, this movie is too horny to hide anyone's junk. <laughs> and then we get the scene where he wants rock music and she wants Mozart. And they are flipping the stereo back and forth from Auxiliary, which is in the record player playing Mozart, and CD playing generic rock music from the creator-wrestler venue of a mid-2000s <laughs> WWE game. <laughs> Like, this whole scene is basically a compressed version of the plot of Sister Act 2. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a rap. How could it win the choir competition? We can't do the same thing everyone else does. Everyone else will be doing lame classical music. Let's do something cool and fresh. And she's trying to tell him that if you want to win, you got to play it straight. And he crosses a line and says, well, that didn't work for you last time. And you can see that he has hurt her. And he, like, tries to verbally backspace. But luckily, Hale is here to interrupt everything. Yeah, I guess Hale is just <laughs> staying here at the moment. He has a meeting at 6 a.m. It's not very clear that Hale is still here <laughs> and that he's just going to be in the movie for a, a little ways longer. <laughs> just waving like Billy Zane and Zoolander being like, yes, hello, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so Anton gives Doug a weekend off because, as he puts it, solitude is not good. And she says, what, so he can go whoring in New York City? It's not true. He went to Boston. <laughs> we don't touch on this again, by the way. We don't even cut to him in Boston. We just hear that he is gone for a weekend. Because, like, we're at the part of the movie where time is kind of weird and tenuous because they spend so much time indoors. But what is happening here is that two years pass in this movie. You have to understand that this is a slow-ass burn of a romance. Which also makes sense, because they're having to train a guy into figure skating. Absolutely. Exactly. To Olympic level. There's years between Olympics. Mm -hmm. And we have spent two years in just a cut to injuries. Like, it is two years from the last Olympics, so it was 1990. By the way, the Berlin Wall came down, so those skaters from West Germany are not a problem anymore. 
and we are we are rapidly speeding towards 1992, in which case the bad guys will be, oh, we'll get there, but I think you can take a guess. <laughs> and I actually like that Kate in this scene tries to pull out the old adage that while Doug is taking breaks, she is turning up every morning and putting in the work. And it's, again, demonstrating the change in their mindsets. She is doing this because she doesn't have anything else to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is her entire life. So there's a montage to show how far they come. And they skate. They're a team. They do good together. They're focused. They're good. But they're not looking at each other. Mm -mm -mm. Because there's tension. Oh, and when that tension is never more escalated than a cut to, well, geez, why are they going to a fancy dinner? What could be happening here? Oh, Hale's here. Hmm. What what could hap- what could what could happen at this fancy dinner scene, you guys? Oh no! Officially, they are celebrating Doug's eligibility into the professional skating leagues. But Hale proposed. Hale proposed to Kate. Hale proposed. Everybody looks at it. She said yes. They're engaged. Doug looks taken aback. But she doesn't look exactly happy about it. And she can only look at Doug. She looks kind of ashamed. Or actually, let me be clear on this. She can only look at Doug, or she can look at anything but Doug. Must look away. And Doug, meanwhile, just kind of keeps glancing over at her with like that sad puppy dog look on his face. Uh, Uh, I'm really happy for you, but I know this isn't making you happy. uh, So good, you guys. Kate is skating. And she's sad and alone. There's sad skating, you guys! It's a sad skating scene! It's a song that seems like almost like basketball levels of perfect for their situation. Uh And then after she has sadly skated out her feelings, who shows up? But the coach from the beginning. Guess what? I still suck. (laughs) He's got mean things to say about Doug. That's the whole reason he's here in this scene. Former coach just looks real familiar to me, and I don't know why. He looks a bit like the Icelandic coach from Mighty Ducks 2, but it's not him. It's that slicked long kind of hair that people had in the 80s, but now we're in the 90s, but I guess it's still there. Apparently the 80s lasted until 1995 in Canada. Oh yeah, no, like the early 90s were basically 80s, basically the late 80s. Not to mention this movie would have started production probably in like 90 or 89. The coach negs her immediately. He cannot go a sentence without berating her and makes comments about her staying too long at the party. And it's just, oh, we hate him. Oh, we hate him. Oh, but then he crosses the line. He insults Doug. And she has words about that. We also get a little comment where he says, are you still blaming Calgary on Brian? And I hate to see you humiliated. Yeah, put a pin in that one. With this guy. And we also get a flash to Doug standing on the other side of the rink having walked in on this. He is coincidentally listening to her defend him. He's the best skater I ever worked with. He's so good he's going to make you cry. Ah, you guys, you guys, it's the scene where the love interest listens in on the other love interest defending their honor. You guys. And so the coach leaves and she realizes that Doug is there. She still can't say it. All she says is, if you let me down, they'll be counting the blade marks up your back for a month. Because they can't be emotionally honest, so they have to be mean. And Doug tells her to take her ring off. She's skating because it cuts his hand. Oh! And we see her crumple a little bit. Because it cuts his heart, you guys! It's a metaphor. This movie is good, actually. It's a metaphor! It's good! It's so good! So, it's time for the Nationals in Chicago. Nationals. Kate is running through the competition and pointing at the ones that can cry on cue. 
and the ones that are so sweet you'll go into sugar shock. The important thing is that someone is here. The wretched Brian. Brian. Doug even calls him the ex-husband. Brian is her former partner, and Brian was the one that took the spill at Calgary, right? Well, Brian was holding her when she took the spill, but it's implied that he loosened his grip, and so she fell, and that got him fired. And he's there with his new partner, with the incredible name of Lori Pekarovsky. Yeah, we've got the wretched Brian and the wretched Lori. And also, they do that thing where there's a bit of male posturing between Brian and Doug, but it comes off like Brian just flirted with Doug? I think it definitely flirted. It's explicitly that, yeah. Okay, okay, good. I figured it was Brian flirting with Doug, but... The way I saw it was, Lori immediately checks out Doug, and Doug is, like, enraptured by Lori. He's staring at her with, like, a slack-jawed look on his face. Which is fascinating because Lori's, Lori's not great to look at. I think it's also that 80s style. It ages everyone up. Yeah. Lori looks like she's 45. It's that Tony Katane look with the flouncy hair. Yeah. And then Brian explicitly checks out Doug and, like, winks at him. And Kate thinks that Doug is put off by this. When, in fact, Doug is put off because he is super attracted to Lori. Honestly, everybody just wants a piece of that D.V. Sweeney. It's one of those things where... Again, it could be made into a much more awkward joke, and it isn't, and I kind of thank the movie for that. Yeah. Of course, we never see Brian flirting with Doug again. We see Lori flirting with Doug a lot. More on that later. Oh, they have a meet-cute in the elevator. So Doug is going up in the elevator to his room, and when it opens at the floor, Lori is there, and all of her hair is there. (laughs) It is very 80s hair. She looks at him, and she says, Are you going down? And then he stays in the lift with her because, quote, you convinced me. You talked me into it, I think. Which is, again, like, so explicit. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is so explicitly horny. There's not even wordplay here. There's an elevator, and he's gonna eat her out. And so the doors open, and Hale and Kate catch them laughing and being humans. And Kate is betrayed (laughs) and angry. She's so mad. Yeah, we cut to her in her hotel room with Hale, where she is displacing all of her anger and not being able to find her lucky earring and also being mad that Doug can get it. And he offers, and the thing is, Hale's a jerk. We've accepted this. Hale is not a good guy. But he offers the barest criticism, and she turns the full totality of her anger powers directly on him and ejects him from the room. Which doesn't even happen. He just sits there because she's like, I can't even find my lucky earring! And he's like, I ha- it's right here. Watching Moira Kelly focus her anger is when you think about the sun hitting, like, the entirety of the city that you're in, and then you <laughs> hold up a magnifying glass and you focus it on a point the size of a pin and start a fire. <laughs> it's like that. And then Hale really comes into his own as Mr. Not Right Now with like, you horny. You horny for hockey boy. You're falling for him. He sh- she's like, no, we're, we're always fighting because she has never read a fan fiction in her entire life. Or Much Ado About Nothing? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> or friggin' like, Hale is the guy who is reading a copy of Pride and Prejudice. He even says to end the scene, that it's foreplay in the weirdest raid. <laughs> We're always fighting. No, it's foreplay. So we cut to the car and hey, turns out Hale had some business to take care of in Boston and he's not coming. And Kate displaces onto Doug, who looks the most like McNulty from The Wire because his face just says, the f*** did I do? <laughs> she calls him Ramjet the Rookie and it's cute because their American team jackets look like Roger Ramjet. <laughs> Now it's time. 
for the Nationals. We are told by the narrator that two couples will go to Alberville on the U.S. team, and this is the short program, and you guys, Doug's really nervous. Oh my god, are you ready for cute, emotionally vulnerable <laughs> Doug? <laughs> He's so nervous. He's terrified. He's so nervous, he yarfs a lot. <laughs> Behind a curtain. <laughs> With a child looking at him, a random child. He comes out and his face is slack and he's got like like Sal Buscema flop sweat coming off him. And he points out that he had to keep two helmets for every game. One for the game and one for just before. <laughs> oh my god, you guys. She talks him down from it, though. Yep. She takes control and she makes him stare at her forehead. And she gives him a pep talk. Look at me. She holds his face. Look at me and smile. We're gonna do this, you piece of shit. <laughs> We're gonna do this. <laughs> We're not dropping me now. He's like, it's fine. I do this every single time. Ten minutes into the game and I'm fine. Our set's only two minutes long. Fine, then eight minutes after we're done, I'll be fine. <laughs> Which is a real good bit. Because <laughs> you see him smile, but he also has this, like, this slightly, like, raggedy edge titter to his voice where he's just like, so eight minutes after. <laughs> he is playing this so well. Oh, D.B. Sweeney's a gift. So they skate, and it's working, and they're smiling. They do everything in sync, and they're like, yes, to each other, and it's so cute. <laughs> but the judges lowball them, and they come in third. <laughs> Brian and Lori are ahead of them, so Doug and Kate need at least second to get into the Olympics. Afterwards, he's like, oh, man, that's like... I just can't get over why you have to do like a little two minute bit and then the actual routine. It's just, it's, uh, oh, what's the word? It's, uh. Anticipation? Exhilaration? Foreplay. And she freezes. <laughs> <laughs> like she's just found a snake in her boot. <laughs> and he's like, I mean, wouldn't you rather just get right to it? As she is standing outside her hotel room door staring at him. <laughs> Like a deer in the headlights. He doesn't even realize he's doing it this time. Because he's like, yeah, skating. And she's like, sleep. I want sleep. I'm <laughs> putting a door between us. She's too horny. <laughs> she's too horny. She's too horny for this. Because like Annie said before, we don't actually get to see their long program. Because for all the movie loves montages, they don't want to have us watch an entire eight-minute figure skating program <laughs> at this yeah. point. I was also kind of confused because it's like we actually completely cut their routine out entirely we see their outfits a little bit but we don't actually see them perform which i was confused about until i realized that they were going to have to do this exact same thing later in the movie so yeah. you have to save that yeah it's a it's delayed gratification folks and they do really well and everyone's really happy but the judges lowball them again and doug just completely loses it this is horse shit <laughs> you call this a sport doug mad Dog mad! And the great thing is that they are having this, like, after he is angry, they have this downtime where they are both sad while there is the other routine playing, which is polka music. So they are very despondent while there is big, happy polka music <laughs> in the background. Yes, while their competitors are dancing in a dirndl and lederhosen, as Doug is saying, this isn't a real sport, and they cut to these ridiculous children's outfits being worn by grown adults. <laughs> and then something magical happens. Because one of the Germans has escaped, gets caught in the lederhosen, and they fall. Our folks win by default. Yeah, Anton's <laughs> like, you know what that means? We're going to France. <laughs> and Doug is so happy. <laughs> he just starts running around the room. 
I have the phrase parlez-vous Olympics written down here. I did, <laughs> Does someone say that? Yeah, Doug says Doug it. Doug says it. Because he's a dork. Douglas. <laughs> you dork. We're going to France. Parlez-vous Olympics is what he says. <laughs> So they go out drinking. We have established at the New Year's scene when Doug tried to give Kate some champagne. She has never drunk anything in her entire life. So he starts with tequila shots. And she is going to start with shots. Tequila Tequila shots. shots. Thank you for that unison, Mac. You're welcome. So he starts, he shows her like the whole thing of like licking your wrist and sprinkling with salt, licking that, doing the tequila shot, biting a lemon, which I always thought it was a lime. Yeah. It should be, but apparently these nationals bars don't really have the right fruits to get their tequila. <laughs> and they're doing it while maintaining eye contact as they lick the wrist and bite the lemon. And Kate's face, as the first tequila shot hits her tongue, it's like she can see through time. <laughs> Actually, guys, you know what? I realize why they're using lemons. Why? It's a PG-13 movie. It's lime only. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> Kate, in between shots, goes out and does some dorky dancing. She dances maybe marginally better than Commander Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> or Elaine Bennis. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think there's little kicks in this one. So they clear at least four tequila shots that we see. Yeah. And that's a significant amount, even for, like, a normal drinker. And the thing is, it's the same song. So I don't know if this happens during the same seven minutes of this extended club mix or whatever this terrible stock music is. But yeah, uh, it hits Kate like a freight train. Yeah. Yeah, Doug's doing okay, but Kate is not prepared for tequila at all. There is a shot at one point of six shots being on the table. And Kate keeps leaping up and dancing wildly. And there's this one point where Doug's just like, oh God, I'm so exhausted. She's going to regret this the morning. Yeah, she got hit by a moon spiral tequila attack. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, there was a giant bottle with, like, a shape of her body in the middle of it. And she says, lovely, and falls over. <laughs> so then Doug has to carry her bodily back to her room because she is so drunk. And here's the part where I started getting real nervous. Yeah, but... Good news, guys. It's a good movie. It's a good movie, though. Yeah. Because he gets her water and he, like, lays her out on the bed. And he's checking that she's okay because yeah. Doug's a hockey player. He's used to being this tanked. Yeah. She is not. Yeah. She's a 90 pound figure skater. He takes off her coat. He takes off her shoes. She basically is like, do you want to sleep with me? And he's like, no. Yeah. He's like, first off, what about Hale? She's like, no, we're not engaged anymore. And he takes a beat at that. And he goes, no, you're bombed. Not tonight, not like this, because Doug is a good guy. Yes! He's a good guy! Oh, thank you, Doug! Oh, I'm so good! Ugh. And Kate, meanwhile, is slammed and horny. She's too horny, and she's mad about this. She says, she like, I'm not thinking for the first time in my life. She sounds like someone who has been anxious her entire life and is now not anxious and is loving it. Why are you spoiling my fun? Unfortunately consent yeah and doug knows that yeah good boy doug good boy doug and it's nice because he is super tempted but he's not even gonna go in for like an ill-advised smooch or something he is completely hands-off he is the entire room away from her and he makes himself stay back there and you know it's probably because sexual tension Mm -hmm. and he knows he doesn't want to risk anything 
and like she tells him names she's angry that like he's trying to control her the way that all of the other men in her life do she calls him a prude in wolf's clothing and god's gift to reckless abandon which <laughs> it's very good and doug looks like he's about to cry because god he would very much like to do this but he's also being berated for doing like a good thing and respecting her so he leaves but he kicks on with the entire minibar. Yeah, we get a sad drinking alone scene here. So then there's a knock at the door, and he thinks it's Kate. And guess what? It's Lori. It's Lori. With her giant hair. She's like, hello, I'm here for figure skating sex. And he's like, okay. <laughs> he actually has a look like, I'm so tired. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah, he just has this look on his face of like, I'm doing this because I have to. He's like, well, I guess I don't really feel like rubbing this boner out, so. <laughs> so we smash cut to an incredibly hungover Kate. She's got the sunglasses on and everything. And she locked her keys inside. As a room service cart goes by and the rattle of the place, you see it hit her like shockwaves. It's very good hungover act. Not to mention that room service... It's got two plates on it. Dun, dun, dun. So she goes to see Doug, and Laurie answers in a towel. Kate thinks she has the wrong room until Doug comes out of the shower and asks if they have any more towels. Because he thinks it's room service. There's a moment. Oh, my God. And Kate looks like she's about to die. Everybody's heart (laughs) breaks. Oh, no. Specifically, Doug tries to smirk. But he can't do it. He tries and it falls off his face. Oh my god. And then she's like, no, I have to go. And he chases after her. He chases her down the hall in a towel into the elevator because he can't let her go. She gets really angry at him for sleeping with Lori and he hits back because they always fight. And he says, you treat me like a hired hand. Then when you get drunk, I'm meant to thank my lucky stars. I don't change gear that fast. Sorry. If we're going to do this, I want to do this right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Because Doug's a good guy. You guys are going to have to be emotionally vulnerable and open with each other. Yup. Oh, it's so good. <sighs> and he's left in front of a crowd of reporters in a towel. <laughs> because he has to debase himself for her. Because uh. they care, you guys. Aww. They care too much because then they go back to practicing after this as they and are we like get a symbolic where they're standing apart each other and like facing away. Oh, and they have like their arms crossed and stuff. And Anton's yeah. like, oh, my God, you stupid idiots. <laughs> <laughs> he even says we have a little problem. Look, we need to skip it and go to the big problem because, hey, guess what? The Russians got perfect scores at the European Championships. We're dead in the water. (laughs) Guess what, you guys? It's 1992. Germany is reunited, so now we turn the Eye of Sauron to our other great enemy in 1992. The Russians! But don't worry. General Iroh knows of a dangerous, (laughs) forbidden technique. (laughs) I love this scene. It is so drama. I love it. For 20 years, he has been working on this. An illegal move. Technically a legal gray area. Because you need skaters with desire who don't do things halfway. (laughs) 
This movie also assumes that you don't know what the hell anybody here is talking about because they say, like, it's a bounce spin into a throw twist and everybody else reacts like someone has just suggested that, like, <laughs> they blow up Sweden. It's like, it's illegal. It's never been. No, 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 no. Everybody's talking like they have to knock over a casino. That's what this is. It's never been done. We need to eject the warp core. Yes! They're going to call this the Riker Maneuver, if it works. <laughs> <laughs> Doug names it the Pamchenko Twist after Anton. He's got these, like, handwritten notes, this lovingly illustrated, like, thing of how this whole maneuver is supposed to go. These yellow pages. For 20 years, he's been working on this dangerous, rad skating thing. We have five weeks. You're not ready for this. So what it is, this dangerous forbidden technique, Doug spins Kate up from the ice. He grabs her by her ankles as she spins. He spins her like a hammer throw. <laughs> and then he has to throw her, like her head comes dangerously close to the ice. He then has to throw her forward and she turns it into a spin and lands into a perfect posture. It's incredibly dangerous. He has to spin her around like a discus or a shot put or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like remember when that one lady whose name i forget did a backflip in the olympics on ice oh yeah she was the first to do it in olympic competition and it got her disqualified and the reason they don't do it is because it's stupidly dangerous yeah yes whenever sheena and i were watching this sheena was like i watched this so many times as a kid and i still wince about this knowing <laughs> everything's gonna be okay at the end and i was like yeah yeah we get a montage and oh my god kate takes so many spills she takes a beating and you wince the whole time because you just keep expecting her head to smack against the ice. And she just keeps getting back up. At one point, her shoulder hits, and you see her, like, skip and bounce like a rock on water. Yeah. And you actually see, like, in her—and this is very good facial acting by Moira Kelly, because you see her hit breaking point because she can't and they can't because being mad is not enough, you guys. Mm-hmm. They have to work together, you guys. But this is actually, I think, the first time in the movie where we see her— look defeated mm -hmm. because she can't do something she's used to doing things it comes easily to her well and it's also like the frustrating thing is not only does kate have to land this but like she has to put absolute trust in doug to be able to spin her like this this is absolutely a two-partner technique she has to really believe that he is going to be able to lift her like this and she's going to have to anticipate that movement and actually be able to land it yeah anton does say we need an explosion here which is like anton you gotta stop shipping these kids so hard. This is how we got into this mess, Anton. <laughs> anyway. So Kate's looking at the pictures of her mom, and that's when it comes out that her mother was a skater, and the Olympics were her dream. And Kate really, really got intense about it when her mother died. And that was part of what happened at the Olympics. It's this whole emotional maelstrom. And her dad says out loud what the movie has been pushing, which is, it's what you've always wanted. And she goes, always? <laughs> because she's spending the whole scene questioning, why am I doing this? It's a shame that we don't get more into the relationship with the mom here. I kind of wish we had like one more scene in this movie that really explicitly went into her relationship with her mom. We get hints of it here and there. This is one of the biggest points, but man. Yeah, it's rough. Meanwhile, Doug watches the tape of the last Olympics. And he watches from the other camera angle and he sees that it wasn't Brian who botched the lift. Kate didn't get her leg high enough in time, and so it was her fault that they lost. And he is going to seethe about this for a while here. But instead, right now, 
It's time to look fun and turkey and happy in front of the journalist because it's time for the Olympics. Because Brian hates Kate and Kate hates Brian and Lori likes Doug and Doug likes Lori but is kind of ashamed <laughs> about that. But Doug really loves Kate and Kate is angry at everyone. Brian could really go for any of them, but Brian's available. More fanfic to be written. <laughs> OT4? And everyone's talking about their team spirit and they're playing nice for the cameras and Kate says yes. It's positively orgasmic. Because Lori is searching for the word of how great everybody's getting along. <laughs> and Kate will not let anything go. Lori and Brian skate, and it's fine. But Doug, when he's ready to skate, hasn't buttoned his top button. <laughs> she wants him to button that top. But he won't, though. It tightens his neck. He needs freedom of movement. But she wants him to button the button. <laughs> it's almost like we're displacing our anger with something else about this button. No, I'm not going to button that button. And finally, they're ready to go. And he says, if it was 40 below, and that button was the difference between a safe, happy life and a cold, horrible death from hypothermia, I still wouldn't give you the satisfaction. <laughs> uh, so we have the, the announcers here for this competition laying it on real thick because we've already seen everything that we're going to see of, of this two-minute bit. So we go to, you know, it feels like there's something missing. Like, it seems cold, as though we were seeing two strangers rather than a fluid pair. <laughs> They've read the script, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be really clear that the audience understands the emotional metaphor. The reporter comes to them and says, Oh, I hear you're doing this dangerous forbidden technique. What's it called? The Pamchenko. And Kate says, We're not, we're not doing it. Doing it. Dun, dun, dun. There is then an argument in the conference room where Anton and Kate's dad blame Doug for not buttoning his button. And he is like, are you serious with this? And everyone argues while Kate sits quietly as they argue over her head. And finally, Doug drops the bomb. He's seen the tapes. Brian wasn't at fault. And Kate knew it the whole time. Uh, and Kate finally says while well, everybody else is arguing like daddy Gaborbucks is ready to basically fire doug anton's yelling dad's yelling yeah and then kate just quietly goes doug's right and everything stops and swivels to her and kate just sort of quietly lets it all out we have never seen her not furious her shoulders are dropped she is adrift here she's not happy with herself she has no idea what she wants the only thing that she's really able to articulate here is what she always wanted from her dad to say is, win or lose, that I could just be your daughter. And then right at the end, she turns to Doug, having put herself out there and outed that she's kind of a monster and doesn't like herself. And she says, you came in every day and skated. This must have been like a nightmare for you. I'm sorry. Oh, you guys. <laughs> oh my god. It's so good. Uh, she apologizes to Anton and to her dad, and then she just walks off crying. Oh, we're going to get a moody montage. Uh, Everyone's walking around Alberville, which is a very nice picturesque ski resort town. And Doug's getting moody coffee. They're sad looking at mountains while outside. Sad walking, sad coffee, sad looking at mountains, but inside this time, sad <laughs> drinking, sad bags being packed. She's sitting on the edge of a balcony, wrapped in a plaid blanket and these giant moccasins, and she's wearing the Bobby Hull sweater under that. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah. You guys. 
So then Doug comes downstairs and Kate is already packing her bags. She wants to leave as soon as they skate. And by the way, she looks amazing in this scene. Oh my God, yes. This is the most put together she has looked in this entire movie. Her hair's back in a little clip. She's wearing like one of those nice Burberry camel coats. She looks every bit like she's about to go inspect the stables. And she has put the walls back up and is moving on with her life. This is the very cold outside version of like the freaking trench coats at the end of Casablanca. Yes, it is her armor. She is back in her armor. She's like, I am retiring. And he's like, what What are you talking about retiring? I am going home this afternoon after the final skate. You can stay here for as long as you like. The house is paid up for two weeks. Anyway, you're a good skater. You won't have any trouble finding a partner. Uh, she breaks the tiniest bit and says, though they won't have my slap shot. Oh, you guys! Uh, and she laughs, and then she nearly cries in the middle of the laugh, and then she leaves. Oh my god! It's so good. Meanwhile, it's skate time, and Brian or Lori are doing very well. And Doug and Kate are dressing up in their outfits for the long skate. They are both distant as ever. They are not looking at each other. They can't. Their hearts hurt too much. So then the Russians turn up, and they are dressed as fire from the opening scene of The Hunger Games. <laughs> These skaters are real skaters. This is Doug Ledrette and Christy House, who are Canadian skaters. Even the Russians in this movie are Canadian. <laughs> and they're almost perfect. They're an incredible skating pair. Although I gotta say, Doug, I can't tease you too bad because that was your real hair. You're balding in the front, and you've got a curly mullet at the back, and I don't know what you're doing. Uh, it's <laughs> called hockey hair? Look it up. I've heard that hockey players and figure skaters are different. <laughs> I suppose Canadian goes down to the bone. <laughs> so then it's time for Uncle Iroh to give his pep talk. Uncle Iroh leans in. We need to enjoy each other. Sexually, I mean. <laughs> skate as I have seen you skate. Where are you gonna fuck? <laughs> skate as if it was just me. It's a horny movie, you guys. It's horny, and there's feelings now. <laughs> and Doug is so nervous. There's so many horny feelings! Did anyone else notice that Doug did up his top button? <gasps> he did. Oh my gosh. He did it for her, because he didn't want anything to ruin it. He wants to be there for her. He wants her to enjoy her final skate. He feels so many feelings, you guys. It's time to go on. But Doug, Doug has feelings, and he needs to let her know what they are! And he grabs her, and he tells her, and he's like, look... I know, you know, I'm in this mess and I keep thinking if I keep moving and I keep checking that I'll get clear, but I don't want to fight anymore. I wasn't ready. Kate, somewhere in the middle of all this, I fell in love with you. <laughs> and she just stares at him with like this deer in headlights. She's terrified and he says, I'm saying it out loud. I'm in love with you. And oh my god, and she doesn't say anything, and he keeps trying, keeps going, keeps babbling. And he's like, the way I see it, we might not be right for anyone else. It can't be harder to stay together than it is to stay apart. Oh, bless. Kate, I need you. I need <laughs> you. It's so, so good. good. Oh my god! And she looks at him, and she wipes away a tear, and she says, we're doing the Pamchenko. That's her answer! And he's like, what, the, what, 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 what? And he tries to, he tries to talk her out of it. He says, no, it's too dangerous. And she goes, well, I'm in the mood to kick a little ass. Yes! The power of love. 
that bit in Scott Pilgrim where the sword comes out of his chest? It's like, Scott has earned the power of love. Ah, <laughs> uh, They go out, they do the skate. They're watching it in the bar back in Minnesota, by the way. Yeah. Which is full. Everyone is here, staring at the little television, watching their golden boy do a figure skate. <laughs> and his brother is incredibly proud. Oh, he's so proud! And is pointing him out, and he's like, that's my brother! He's so excited! <laughs> Everybody, like, the audience is enraptured. We see these weird little cuts of them, you know, skating, of course, because this is still this movie, and all the budget went into that romantic proposal there. And then, the Pamchenko. Then the Pamchenko. It goes off without a hitch. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Because they're in love now! (laughs) Oh my gosh. We should also mention that, like, all of the scenes that we see, all of the maneuvers that we see of this, it is all them holding each other. It's like these long, languorous sequences in the middle of a dance. (laughs) Their hands are all over each other. They horny. They in love. They go for We get flashes of her dad in the audience with, like, his hands evilly steepled. (laughs) Just smiling and nodding. It's like, yes, yes, my daughter will f***. And it's like, Dad, get out of the scene. (laughs) It will be revealed later that he was, in fact, Mr. Sinister, trying to create the perfect figure stater to defeat a (laughs) puppet. The sequel is about Cable on skates. (laughs) Stripe doesn't need them. He just lays on his back. They do it, and they get to the end, and they're skating to a stop, and everybody's up on their feet and clapping. They're looking at each other's... He's like, you didn't have to do this. Yes, I did. Why? I love you. And they kiss in a movie. Oh my god, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Here's the thing about this movie. It is a freeze frame on the kiss and a fade to black, because we don't need a denouement here. (laughs) I've known other screenwriters who use denouements, and they're all cowards. (laughs) Oh, it's perfect. We don't even know what their score was. We don't know if they beat the Russians. It doesn't matter. Yes, thank you, Mac. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to their emotional arc. It doesn't matter to the characters. But the audience wants to see their love mean that everything else is overcome. We want to see Brian and Lori look at what they're missing out on and pout. (laughs) We want to see the Russians brood angrily in the background. Yeah. <laughs> we want to see them get the gold because they kissed. This scene is parodied to Helen back in the movie Blades of Glory, and you think if it was in that movie, they would just start having sex on the ice. <laughs> which, by the way, Blades of Glory's Pamchenko involved uh, an extra jump in which, if you did it wrong, the other partner's head would come off. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's not a good movie. <laughs> anyway, coming back to this movie, this movie is very good. This movie's very good. It's very good. It's very good. And you guys, speaking of screenwriters, I am remiss. I forgot to tell you guys that I looked up the screenplay writer for this movie. Yeah? This is Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy wrote exactly one romance movie, and then he went on to a different genre. Would you guys like to hear some of his screenplay credits? Hit me. The first four Bourne movies? What? <laughs> Armageddon, and he co-wrote the screenplay for Rogue One. Oh my... What? What? Yeah, he never did another romance movie again. He went straight into action flicks. Ultimate mic drop. He was like, you know what? I did it. I wrote The Cutting Edge. I'm done. I have said all I mean to say about love. 
I must move on <laughs> to violence. <laughs> so. So this is the cutting edge. That's the cutting edge. And it's a great movie, actually. Thank you. I feel extremely validated. <laughs> <laughs> it's goofy, but it's got all the stuff I like in it. It's a comfort food thick, frankly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get yourself a big mug of coffee. Get yourself some soup. Put your warm slippers on and slide into this warm bath of intense sexual tension. <laughs> For two hours. How did they make this movie so horny? <laughs> For a movie that doesn't actually have any sex in it and exactly one kiss, it's extremely horny. It's extremely horny. <laughs> <sighs> Guys, I feel like just in talking about this, we've effectively proven that romance is a ditch best served cold, but it's time for our final facts. And Lucas, you are the person who has seen this so many times. This is your movie. What is your final fact about this? My final fact is that the focus totality of D.B. Sweeney's power could bring relief to drought-stricken areas. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, what's your final fact? Based on both my own watching and knowing from my friend Sheena's watching, no matter how many times you watch the Pam Chinka performed, you will still wince every time it happens. My final fact is that if you do it right, your kiss can be so powerful it stops a movie. <laughs> Find you a kisser who stops a movie. <laughs> Lucas, thank you so much for having us watch this movie. And thank you for yes. coming on for this extremely American-Canadian movie. <laughs> I'm glad I could. And I'm happy to share the message of this movie with as many people as I can. I'm glad I've seen this movie now. Yeah, me too. I'm also glad I watched all the trailers for 2, 3, and 4. Oh, God, that's right. They made sequels, you guys. Bad sequels. And they even approached D.B. Sweeney and Moira Kelly, and they both agreed that if the other one wouldn't do it, then they wouldn't do it, because the Good. love has transcended the movie. Good. <laughs> and so they made a bunch without them. I have not seen them, <laughs> but I have heard they are bad. I watched the trailers. That's all that matters. Lucas, where can everybody find you when you are not yelling about movies with us over here? So if you wanted to follow my wacky adventures on the internet, you could follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D. If you want to hear me getting emotional about formative media from when people were young, you can listen to my podcast, which is called The Matt of You. Both people who are on this call with me have been on Annie several times. Actually, I think you've got the whole set of Crooked Russian Cam. I think you've got, like, you, me, and Kit, right? Or yeah. yeah, Kit's been on twice. Yeah. At some point, I will have Mac back on, but Mac is doing so many things. Mac, you're very busy. I do a lot. I do many things. But yeah, go and have a listen, and I'd really enjoy it if you drop by and talk about the cutting edge with me. Maybe other things, too. I mean, ugh, we can't be sure. <laughs> I Will Fight You comes out uh, about once a month. We're still working that one out. Don't worry about it. It's cool. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts. Honestly, our SEO is pretty decent. If you want to find us on social media, you can do that at Twitter. At CRC Podcasts, we are on Tumblr at crookedrussiancam.tumblr.com. But really, you should be going to our website, crookedrussiancam.horse, which is a very good website. And there you can also <laughs> check out our other podcasts, such as Gem Jammer and Finished Up Gem Jam. And eventually we'll get back to Date Me, Damn It. It's fine. It's fine. We still have to kiss Alistair. I'm determined. If you want to support us, a like, rating, review, comment, wherever you find our podcast is always super helpful. Helps our metrics, helps us get discovered. If you want to support us with dollars, you can do that at patreon.com slash thegemjam for a couple bucks a month. You can support both this and our other projects and also make it so that we can watch more shitty 
movies, like The Cutting Edge, which is actually a good movie, but also maybe a shitty one. It's fine. It is fine. It's very fine. We don't really have another fact lined up for you right now, but in the meantime, you can enjoy the fact that romance is absolutely a dish best served cold. And next time, we will have another extremely good fact for you. We'll find out what it is together. You can at least tune into my Twitter and just learn about me rewatching The Raven Us. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> Probably. Mac might kill us if we don't eventually go into The Raven and whatever movie she's actually watching when she watches The Raven. But until then, I'm Annie. I'm Mac. And I'm Lucas. And we have fought you. I got popcorn in my mouth. <laughs> you want you want to swallow that popcorn, hon? Oh, I'm choking. <laughs> Say it. Okay. Oh God, that hurt. This is gold. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh my god, that hurt. Thank you for suffering for our art. What does she say, Mac? <coughs> Hold on, I'm still tying. Do you want do you need some water, hot? I have water. <coughs> Great radio. <coughs> I think we killed Mac. Oh! I'm gonna go get more water. Okay. You can take a moment. Get back. <laughs> Ha ha ha!